Welcome to the Culture Builders podcast channel, looking at how individual and team performance builds strong cultures. Hosted by Jane Sparrow and Chris Preston. You are listening to a burst episode. To say that we're just getting to grips with the long-term societal impact of the pandemic is a big understatement. And we've spent the last 18 months reading news that swung from one extreme to another in terms of the impact and the, the long-term changes that the society will experience based on lockdown, based on a newfound respect for health and well-being, and also based on the fact that we've all discovered there are different ways to work than the traditional nine to five. During September 2021, we undertook a series of of research conversations and a data trawl to fully understand what these changes were looking like and what the impact had been in solid numbers on organisations over the last 18 months. We've made some bold statements recently around The need to change, the need for organisations to recognise that the way that they were working is no longer fit for purpose. And in some cases, we are seeing organisations fall apart. But what does that actually mean? What what do we mean when we say fall apart? Because by no means will we see lots and lots of organisations fail. But what we will see is them reconstruct themselves around new ways of working and new ways of being. The phrase that's been bandied around most recently is hybrid working and the need and the challenge for organizations to adopt this more broadly than has been the case in the past. You all know the story. Over the last 18 months we proved to the world that we could all stay at home and be effective but we also proved to the world that staying at home brought with it a number of challenges that weren't as easy to overcome as we first thought. And in the first few weeks of the lockdown, many organisations told us that they were robust. They were technically robust and ready for what was coming. But the subsequent weeks proved that they weren't robust in terms of people. And they weren't robust in terms of their support networks to help isolated individuals to cope with what was happening. Fast forward to September 2021 and the numbers are looking different. And attitudes are looking different. The conversation now isn't how do we keep people safe at home. The conversation is how do we strike a balance between those that want to stay at home and those that we need to come back into the office wholeheartedly to move things forwards. If you look at some of the numbers, they speak for themselves in terms of what's happened. And our our white paper demonstrated how, because of the pandemic, the senior leadership population of many organisations felt that there were fewer opportunities now to grow and develop talent. In fact, it was down, 29% of people said it had gone down. That there's weaker employee connection and engagement. Nearly a quarter of people we spoke to said, absolutely, we've lost that ability to talk to people directly. And probably the the saddest part is that 20% of the people that we interviewed as part of our process said that their company culture had weakened. It's not all gloom and doom, because also companies are looking at the bounce back and thinking about how to bring things forwards. And we're seeing option A and option B emerge as ways of doing this. So option A is very much a set process or protocol that says 
X number of days a week, you're expected to be back in the office. It's got positives, it's got negatives. And there's been a couple of organisations recently that have stated that and have felt the full ire of their workforce because the number just didn't make sense on a day-to-day basis. Option B is an ethos-led approach that rather than say to people it's a number, to say it's a commitment. And this is much more around delivering on the promise of performance and the promise to the customer and to your stakeholders. And each organization that takes a path are finding ways through it. But also though they're seeing is that things like well-being are still struggling. 51% of people we spoke to felt that uh, well-being and mental health had dipped because of the, the pandemic. And this got higher for larger organizations. So employees with 1,000 plus people felt that this was a bigger challenge for them. Connection and engagement dropped, as we've said, particularly, again, for the middle to larger sized organizations where being part of a bigger, disparate company meant that these things were dropping. One of the big areas that we focused on was work-life balance, and in particular, how people could use this to make sure that they remain sustainable throughout the worst of the lockdown. People said that they felt they'd got greater balance. And nearly 52% overall said that that what they had seen across their workforce was a better spread of people's working lives. We built a greater awareness of mental health and well-being and what this means for employees. So nearly 50% of those that we spoke to said that they had built a stronger understanding of what was required and the mechanics around it. And finally, positively, in all of this, a lot of the people we spoke to said that they had actually seen employee retention improve. And that's an interesting one because you think about the first half of the pandemic, if hopefully we can say that now, we saw many, many good people looking for roles and it became a problem that there was lots of good talent on the bench and companies weren't hiring. Now there's definitely a dearth of talent and a number of our clients and colleagues are saying to us they are struggling to find good people. And my guess is that at the start organizations that quickly folded because of the pandemic lost good employees but those that have struggled through have quickly realized that one of their biggest selling factors is still having talent on the bench as well so to see employee retention stay high is a good sign whilst the message is mixed particularly where smaller companies have seen a bigger impact of the pandemic but as a consequence are better planned and ready for the next stage and larger organisations stating generally that they felt less of an impact but are still in the planning and consideration phases of the next stages. There is still a lot of uncertainty moving forward. And overall, 40% of the people that we spoke to had got a plan in place. Whereas for smaller companies, this increased to 50%. And then for companies between 500 and 1,000, this went up to 53%. But... To back up what I've just said, larger organisations, only 31% of them have got a plan and a fully-fledged plan in place for the next stage of the evolution of remote and hybrid working. This trend continues, so some of the questions we asked around different options and the transition, again, the the split was clear that the smaller organisations are all over this and they've got the plans in place. But actually, what we see is bigger companies, there's still a lot on the table for them. And there's far less certainty around 
what they will be doing in the short to medium term. And turning to leadership, we identified through our research the three factors that HR professionals are over and over again stating as the critical ones to see coming forward in their leadership population if they are to succeed in managing a disparate, poly-working workforce. Number one, huge amount of, of consensus on this, trustworthiness. Trust is going to become the new currency for leadership. With 60% of respondents stating it was important, it's a clear recognition that more than ever, we're going to have to trust our workforce to do the right thing when we're not watching and we're not looking. And a close second to trust is empathy, with 58% of respondents stating that it is important. Empathy is a complex one, and it's not as simple as caring. It's much more about the actions that you take, the understanding you have, and the unsentimental responses that you put in place to help people through challenges. And leaders that typify it, we're seeing being far more successful in managing and maintaining stable workforces than those that struggle with empathy or see it as something that's a nice to have. And the last one, again, high with 53% of people stating this was important, is resilience. And it's a word that we've transitioned to over the last probably eight or nine months as the biggest focus of our work. How do we make people resilient in the face of long-term uncertainty? And we've gone from being critical to being chronic. Most organisations are sustainably working, albeit in unusual circumstances, but people need more resilience to get through. And again, managers that can both demonstrate this and live this, but also encourage their workforce to find their own ways of managing resilience are going to be critical. For us, resilience isn't being tough, isn't surviving. Resilience is using the skills that you've got to your hand. It's building in practices. It's leaning on the people around you to find a sustainable way of getting through what we all need to get through. So that's just a quick run through of our white paper. You can find the full document on our website and it's jam-packed full of statistics and detail on what we found and the state of the nation really around poly working at the, as we end 2021. You'll also find in it towards the end some very practical thinking around what do we need to do next. And that's a broad conversation. There's no one easy first step. There's lots and lots of small steps that we need to try and take and work with the workforce to put into place. I hope you find it useful. It'd be great to hear any thoughts on that. Please do ping us any notes, any observations, and we'll hear from you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Continue the journey at www.thecultureBuilders.com.